From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, I was in New York this week visiting my family for the holidays, and I got to say, um, no matter what you hear about on the news and the sort of doomsday scenarios that we all hear about big cities, being in the city, I was there with my uh, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter visiting family, like I said, and it felt great. I mean, there was a lot of nice energy on the street. There was a couple of ropey moments here and there, but... By and large, New York City feels like it might be coming back. Maybe that's misinformation, but I don't mean it to be. I'm just giving you my insight on what it felt like in this sort of East Village and Brooklyn, where I spent most of the time. I took her to the Museum of Natural History. There was a line around the block, but we got in there to see the dinosaur bones, which I asked the guy who's an expert there, are these real or fake? And he said, well, it's about... You know, we find a couple real ones and then we formulate the whole thing around it and interesting. But uh, aside from all that, the reason I bring up New York City is because my next guest embodies New York City for me. When I first met her, she was managing an artist that I was producing and, um, you know, she has gone through a lot of different shifts in her life, most recently becoming an exceptional singer-songwriter, really, really profoundly great. Uh, Her name is Diane Gentile. She is a singer-songwriter, musician, and music industry professional based in New York City. Melody Maker says Gentile's work is one of the rare examples of songwriting capable of meaning all things to all listeners. She recently released her third album, The Bad and The Beautiful, with her band Diane and the gentleman, welcome to the show, Diane Gentile. Diane, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Wow, that was some wonderful uh, introduction, Joe. <laughs> Thank uh, you. We had dinosaurs in there, you know. And, and... I love the dinosaurs. <laughs> I wish I was with you guys that day. <laughs> well, I got to say, um, I take her to the Museum of Natural History out here in Arizona, where we currently reside, and she kind of gets into it more there was so many people even though obviously the museum of natural history in new york city is more impressive she seemed more into the gift shop and just wanting a stuffed animal dinosaur which she has so many stuffed animals i refused the request because you can't say yes to everything lest you spoil the child and i have to be i'm already a pushover so you know. Yeah, that's why I never had children, by the way. I mean, oh, I yeah. um Oh yeah, that is the reason because I'm such a softy at heart, like a real softy. And I I mean, I can't tell my cats no, you know. I, I right. like I cannot say no. It's just yeah. That's what for you know, maybe in uh in business I have no problem with that. But for you know, human beings like having a child that you know what they want something like when they want something how could you just say no like yeah it's hard well they also they speak in the language of temper tantrums as well so it's difficult (laughs) to say no because they're going to make everyone in the room know that you're saying no 
and they they have their ways so you're 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 okay with crushing the dreams of adults but not crushing the dreams of children right <laughs> yeah kinds of actually yeah <laughs> exactly that's that's me yeah unbelievable yeah, yeah. well like i said in the intro it's funny because we first met when i was producing an album for tara angel and you were managing her at the time and i don't know if you were an artist then but i mean you were a manager that's how i knew you and since then you've become a completely legitimate singer songwriter and have been for years you're about to go on tour again with tommy stinson from the replacements you put out great records i think i actually helped you produce a song a few years ago you I mean, know, you're fantastic. Yeah. Tell me about the journey from the business side of things to the artist side of things. I mean, I will. But by the way, Joe, uh, you know, I have a video actually on YouTube of us playing um, during COVID at Barry Electric when you mm -hmm. sat in with me. And it's so great. It was You're such an amazing guitar player. So I, I, I really have great memories of that. And I have a memory of me going to your house and working with you on a song. Um, in Brooklyn when you were living in Brooklyn and it was pouring mm. rain and the rain was coming down on the tin roof and it was making so much noise and uh but that was a great day we were doing my brother's song secondhand heart together mm -hmm. um which I I remember that really clearly but anyway so how did I go from uh artists from manager to artist uh, I basically what happened was I started out as an English teacher and I taught high school English for five years and while I was doing that, I was playing music and I was playing in cover bands and writing music. My older sister, Elda Stiletto, had a band called The Stilettos and it was with Debbie Harry. Um, and they were like the first, one of the first bands at CBGB's to ever come on the scene. So Elda was like 10 years older than me. And um, when I was growing up, there was Elda uh in the city doing her crazy wild thing in like 1974 and i just you know music just runs in my family so i've always been playing i've always been writing that's it and then when i um when i was teaching i realized that there was no way i was going to be able to stay being a teacher forever it was just not it was not a consideration in my life i was doing that to appease my mother and um and i just quit my job and i just I had to work. I I needed to make a living. I didn't come from any money or anything, and nobody was helping me out. So I had to go to work, and I needed to live like I needed to leave my home, and I was by myself. So I had to support myself. So I got a job working in the record business, and um, that also enabled me to be able to play in a band at night, which is what I was doing. But then that job got pretty serious and um, I was still playing the whole time. I mean, I played at a lousy band called Chain of Commands. We put out a record, um, but we were playing like at the Cat Club with all these people and all these other bands. And, and then I, I was working at record labels and I got tired of working for other people. And I said, you know, I think I'm, I, I'm, I had met Jesse Mallon actually. Um, and I was loving some of the the material that he was doing. He was doing some demos. He had some demos that he was doing with Ryan Adams. And we we got to be friends and talking. And he needed a manager. And I said, well, you know, 
I'll quit my job and I'll manage. So that's what I did. I opened a management company. And then I, I, I was lucky enough to get a partner, um, this uh, amazing human being, Steve Cooper. He is an amazing human being. I mean, uh, I have nothing but just wonderful things to say about him as a human being. He, he, he actually runs 1,900 employees right now for a company called Health Edge. Um, but he's a music, you know, fanatic and he, he became my partner for a while and he really, really liked Tara's record. And that's how we ended up managing Tara Angel. Well, not her record, but he really liked her songs. And actually he has great taste because her songs are amazing. She's, she's still writing amazing music, even though she's not really well, but she's pretty fabulous. She really is. We the the record we made, I think, is one of my favorites. Dan Lanois said it's the truest record he heard since early Black Sabbath, which I thought was funny <laughs> because it sounds nothing like Black Sabbath. In fact, it resembles, uh, in my mind, um, your music to some degree uh, in terms of where you've landed musically in this kind of in um, I don't know how you'd call it introspective. Uh, intense singer songwriter classic um how how would you define your style i mean to be honest with you i wish i was as good of a writer as tara angel is <laughs> she and and that record that you did produce is is phenomenal um it's it's a classic record that i think in time uh will become a real gem for people to be able to try to get their hands on um but you know with my writing uh, I, you know, I've been writing, I actually listened to some demos I did a long, long, long time ago. Um, and I couldn't believe what kind of music I was writing back then, but it was kind of basically the same as what I write now. I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, I see, I have, sometimes I get up in a day and I'll just be inspired. And if, if I'm inspired to write, it's because usually I had a dream or I had a, a little scenario that happened in my head that I saw something or I felt a, a story. And that's where my songs come from. That very, very few of the ones that I've written um, for this new record really are, are anything that's real personal. Um, like i don't really know most of the characters that i wrote about on this record they're all kind of figments of my imagination except for maybe kiss the sky which was influenced by um john belushi who reminded me of my ex-husband so i had that kind of personal connection with with that song but um i mean that's you know that's where the songs come from but my style is is kind of like i love to rock i'm a rock and roller I loved rock. I love, I love electric guitar. I love, you know, playing with a band. And so I write usually with the idea that I want to write mid-tempo or up-tempo rather than ballad um, because I love to rock. But I, you know, I love indie, like indie guitar, like um, Steve Wynn produced the first single that I had, uh, Motorcycle, and Jason Victor plays guitar on that. And I mean, if you listen to anything from the Dream Syndicate, it's just super cool indie rock from like the original indie rock band. And um, mm -hmm. 
you know, that's my, that's where I want to be. I don't end up there, but that would be my wish to be there. I think motorcycle achieved that. I don't think I achieved that as much on this new record. Um, this new record is a little bit more contemporary. I don't know. I, I, I personally, I like my last record better than I like this record. I don't know why, but I do. That's very honest of you to say, because most of us always say, this is the best thing I've ever done. Now, I, I'm not going to say that we're old or anything, but we're certainly not spring chickens. And for you to have shifted careers and, or sort of focuses, even though you were always sort of with one foot in creativity, the fact that you embraced your creativity not being like a kid, uh, I think speaks highly and is very inspiring in and of itself. Can you tell me a little bit about um, what gave you the sort of um, tenacity to pursue your dream, even though, you know, we're not we're not 18 years old, so to speak? I, you know, I just always wanted to play music. And I was realizing when I was working with some of the artists that I worked with uh, from management that I had a very, that my my musical skills were good. My ears are good. You know, I, I can feel music. And when you can feel music in that way and you can play it because I can play. I mean, I play guitar, I play piano. You know, I just learned how to play harmonica. Um, I'm, well, no, not really, but I'm, I'm trying anyway. But, you know, when you can play these things and, and you sit home and you write and you write and you write and I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm writing. And then I'm sitting there going, well, gee, I've been writing and writing and writing. I want to I want to play these songs. I just want to put them down. I want to record them. And then once you get that in your head, then it becomes a focus. And then I, I think. I've become a better person because I've pursued my art now. Like, I feel like a better person. I feel like I'm more connected to the world. I feel like I'm more connected to me. I feel like I'm more connected to the things that matter in life um, since I've decided to just really get creative with, with music. Definitely. But a lot of people, I think, in this world are lacking a sense of purpose. I think this world distracts us. We, you know, we're, there's always a new sort of crisis that we're hearing about. There's all this division and insanity. I mean, how important do you think it is to pursue a purpose no matter what age you are? Um, I think it's really important. I, I, you know, my mom is 96 years old. And she hasn't stopped one day of her life in doing things that she enjoys. She plays, um, she actually sings in a choral group and that she's sung in for like the last 30 years uh, called the Sweet Adelines. And she stands on a podium for two hours singing harmonies, um, you know, at the age of 96, like th that's phenomenal. And, and she's such an inspiration to me. Um, because she's that type of person also that just said, you know what, I really want to do this. I'm just going to do it. And I think, I think it will help your life. I think it will help you with longevity in your life. And I think it will help. I mean, for me, I, you know, who knows, I might die when I'm 73 because I smoke cigarettes still, you know, but, um, 
I think that I'm a more soulful, happier person since I played music. And I think that longevity with life has to do with that. So I think that any age that you're at, you should try to pursue it. I think the difference with me is that um, I've been lucky enough to be able to, because of working with artists and working in the studio and, and knowing a lot of people in music, I was able to actually get some people to support me uh, so that I wasn't like just starting out scratch in the middle of nowhere, you know, people like Jesse who said, Oh, I really love that song. Let's go in. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my musicians and they're going to go in the studio and play with you. You know, I, I had that kind of help. Um, but I wouldn't have had that kind of help. I don't believe if the songs weren't quality, um, because there are millions and millions of artists that, or people that want to be artists want to pursue their art and they send in demos and they try to contact people that have connections and and i you know if the song is there somebody's going to go hey let's go do that song you know so i feel lucky on one hand that i had an open door to walk into and then on the other hand i feel like at least i had the song to be able to deliver because if i didn't have the songs nobody wouldn't have wanted nobody would have wanted to have dealt with me <laughs> right <laughs> that's absolutely true i well that's the whole thing too because you know it, when you know someone as a manager particularly because there's always this sort of disconnect between so you know sometimes artists call managers their damagers and there's sort of this oh, yeah. internal oh, war yeah. between managers and artists and well you're a suit and i'm a creative and all this other kind of stuff so when when all, all of a sudden the word on the street was oh diane's actually a singer songwriter now there's always that you know people come to see you play with that sort of like hmm is this what, oh, yeah. what is this what does she think she's doing and then all of a sudden you're as good as anybody and and better than a lot and it's like wow well that's who you really are and it's well, uh, and you. you bring up jesse we have you know we have to you know sort of honor his presence in new york city as this kind of angelic figure it's not overstating to say it i mean he's helped my life out a lot as well your life many many people and uh you know so we're lucky to know a guy like jesse mallon i wrote a song called mayor of the lower east side all about which him, is and great he certainly you know he certainly is that right yeah that's like one of my favorite songs of all time joe i mean i love that song it's just fabulous but um you know he i mean i managed jesse right so i you know did a lot of things to help him out and then when we stopped you know working together in that way and then i switched to becoming an artist it was you know you have to have a really open mind uh as an artist to be able to go wait a minute I know that woman is my manager. Should I judge her that way? Like, right. you know what I'm saying? And 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 he yeah. had this really open mind, like that. I couldn't believe how how open he he is. And I still could tell you, I have a list of people. I mean, there are a list of artists that will never take me seriously because mm. they know even me. now. Oh yes, even now. Yeah, wow. they they me... just cannot get there. All right, well, let me take a quick break. We'll be right back after these words on TNT. 
TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. The country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing. Nurturing. Rescuing. Honoring. Protecting. Caring. Inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes, across all missions, has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. 
Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Welcome back. We would be remiss not to mention that the angel Jesse Mallon needs angels. He uh, recently suffered a spinal stroke and is paralyzed from the waist down. He's been getting stem cell treatments and whatnot, so and a lot of physical therapy. So our prayers are with him that he has a full recovery. But if you want to help him in this time of need, uh, there's a sweet relief for Jesse. So just go over to Sweet Relief and enter jesse.org thanks diane and enter uh jesse mallon um he is an amazing guy uh, across the board and and uh yeah we're always thinking about him and of course diane and i i think we kind of know well no we know each other through tara angel but then we were both great friends with jesse as well so it's a it's a yeah time and, right. and then and then um I brought Jesse actually to the living room to see you play. That's right. Yeah. I remember that. That's how we became. And then I met Steve and Steve said, Oh, do you know that artist, Joseph Arthur? And I said, Oh, he's the best. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so little you gotta circle. love that. Well, another guy that we should bring up is Alejandro Escoveda, who is Another uh, guy that's not exactly a spring chicken either. He's he's an he's an elder statesman of rock and roll and somebody who pursues it in a way that's just incredible. I know him through uh, an REM connection. He's always been good friends with Peter Buck, and we've played similar uh, Peter Buck festivals. And Alejandro Escoveda is a living legend. Diane is also affiliated with Alejandro, and recently um has worked with him as well and is going to do a song for us now called walk with me tell us the story of you and alejandro working on this song well alejandro um so i'm a huge fan of his i think he's one of the most prolific songwriters i've ever heard he also embodies everything of punk rock and it's so uh, it's so ironic because he's this beautiful mexican man who came to New York City and lived at the Chelsea Hotel and just was like more of a punk than anybody that I ever knew. Um, but his writing is pretty extraordinary and uh, very insightful and very soulful. His lines are, when you really read his stuff, it's pretty insane. And um, anyway, I'd met him and I, and he, well, I guess it was when I had, I had met him through Jesse, and then when I was in the accident in Italy, where my face was kind of crushed, um, Jesse, when I came home, I had I was like six months at home trying to recuperate, and Jesse said, oh, why don't you come out on a tour with Joseph Arthur and I? And I don't know if you remember that, Joe, but I, I came out on that tour, and I really honestly was not myself. Like, my head was still really foggy and i was singing all off key i didn't i couldn't hear like music properly um but but jesse made me go out and i was thinking like oh i'm great i'm out here i'm doing this thing but i i really was not that good <laughs> on that tour but um when we got to austin texas alejandro came to the show and he came early to see me and he came up on stage and he sang with me 
And I just thought this man is the nicest, kindest person I have ever met. He was so sweet to me. And then after that, we kind of just stayed in touch. I love his wife, Nancy. Um, she's a, a an exceptional photographer and also a designer. And every time I see her, she gives me a new scarf that she designed and they're beautiful. And I wear them all the time. Um, and anyway, I was, I was home and I had written this song called Walk With Me and it just, I don't know where it came from. I have no idea where it came from. It just came into my head. I wrote the song all at once and I heard Al's voice on it. And I said, I'm gonna call him and ask him if he would sing the song with me and record it with me. And I was really nervous because I thought he's gonna say like, Diane, that song sucks. And, or like, you know, he would never say that, but he, you know, he could have gracefully bowed out and just kind of ghosted me or uh, kind of called me up and said, well, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. I don't think I'm gonna have any time to do that. And he didn't do that. And he said, uh, I love this song. I think it's great. Why don't you come down and and we'll we'll work on more on it. And I said, okay. So I, I flew down there. I went to Austin and uh, we sat at his kitchen table and we went, oh, I wrote out the lyrics and we looked at the lyrics and he said, oh, you know, we could probably make this line just a little bit better by changing this word. Uh, or I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sing that line the way the syllables come out. Maybe we could, you know, change it just a little bit like this. Um, but we very we changed it very very minimally, and um, and then we went to Jimino's studio in Austin from from Spoon, and uh, we put down the 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 vocals. My band had already put down the music in New York to the track. And then we put down the vocals and we had the best day. I mean, it was the best day. We had a great time. And then I think the Houston Astros won uh, the the uh, World Series that night. We watched the game. <laughs> so that's, that was putting down that song. Yeah. But, you know, it's weird because um, the song is called Walk With Me. And I had written it... Uh, like six months or eight months, you know, before Jesse had his uh, spinal stroke. And I just thought it was kind of ironic that I, you know, it was called Walk With Me and it has nothing to do with him. It wasn't, it really has nothing to do with him at all. But interestingly, I was releasing the track in May and uh, Jesse had the problem in the beginning of, of May. And I said to him, wow, it's weird, you know, I'm going to be releasing this song called Walk With Me. And um, and he said, oh, Diane, you absolutely have to release that song this month because I can't wait to be walking with you <laughs> down the line. And I said, oh, yes, you will be. And he will be. So I, you know, yeah. Amazing. All right, well, let's hear it. Walk With Me, okay. Diane Gentile. Down and around till you cease it. All those tattoos. 
Nice. I feel I, I felt that one, man. Uh, the line about the tattoos and all that. I got all these tattoos. I never talk about them. Yeah, it's wild. Hiding Wait, scars deep. Yeah, are you writing about me, <laughs> Diane? What's going on? This is nuts. <laughs> Not it's really, interesting... but... <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's interesting as well, just uh, what you were saying about Jesse and, and the walk with me line and how so great songwriting taps into some unconscious space and it predicts the future often. I mean, it, so many songwriters talk about that. It, it, and it's kind of spooky in a way. I've, I've almost respected so much that if, if I'm writing something seriously dark or negative, sometimes I, I won't because I don't want to manifest it. And the other thing that, I, that comes to mind about that song is um, the, the unconscious lines tend to come very fast. But then when you take the time to sit at a, at a writing table, especially with the, the likes of Alejandra Escoveda, and rip it apart line by line and analyze each word and decide if each word is the perfect word, that is powerful as well. And, and so when you rip through that song, I can hear all that. I can hear the unconscious explosion. And then I can hear the meticulous work. Is that is that a good assessment of it? You think? Yeah, I do. I, I the only thing about it though is is that it really is a hopeful song. Um, it's really positive, you know, because the 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 chorus, you know, won't you walk with me? We can have a laugh or cry. They're only problems, you know. It's kind of like you can just step above anything that really occurs in your life um, if you have the idea to want to. Uh, maybe, you know, just be open to talk to other people about it, you know, or be close with somebody about something or, um, I don't know, I just, I just think communication with people in life is really important. And, and that's what the song really is about. It's like, hey, look, there's nothing in the world that is this disastrous that we can't, if we speak with each other, get over. You know, it's it's like the rudimentary problem about war. <laughs> like, why are we? Ha why would anybody have to go to war? Like, we are in living in the year of two thousand and twenty-four. By this time, we should have been able to work out our problems and and in and, and negotiate and speak with people and rise above. Like, I just. I mean, maybe I'm just such an idealist, you know, but it's kind of how I really feel. I just feel like it, we're in 2024, you know, in 25 years, I'll be dead or 30 years, I'll be dead, you know, and is the, is the younger generation prepared to be able to negotiate and get over these problems through communication with people? I mean, I think that's really where the song actually comes from. Mm. Yeah, yeah. we should be able to get over war and, and be peaceful, but human nature is not peaceful. And I think there's a significant portion of the population, or at least the powerful portion of the population, that isn't interested in peace. They're more interested in subjugation and control. And with imminent financial collapse, the, the, the will to subjugate and control increases and the means of subjugation and control shifts. And I think that's what we're, uh, what we're witnessing. Do you not right think now. that that's 
Do you think that that's all just a lack of emotional maturity? Or it's that you they're not God-centered people. They're, they're more sort of, uh, you know, there's the evil. I mean, honestly, it's the greatest trick the devil ever played was making people believe he didn't exist. And so I think what we deal with a lot is actual evil. And a lot of people have their heads buried in the sand that evil isn't really, you know, as bad as evil actually is, but it really Well, I is. I don't know about you, but I watch The Exorcist and I get scared as shit in my house. So <laughs> I still can't watch, like, I still watch it and Yeah. just tremble. Yeah, that's Well, funny. it's interesting. My my little daughter, you know, she watches the 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 easiest going cartoons, and even if there's any kind of shocking character within them, I mean, and when I'm saying that, I'm saying on in on a two and a half year old level, she does this thing now where she goes, "I'm scared, I'm scared," and then it's it's really cute, but it, it makes me realize how sensitive. humanity really is let me take a quick break and we're gonna be right back with another song from diane gentile right after these words on tnt give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg merry christmas happy holiday i hope you had a great one and if you tune into my show monday through friday 9 p.m eastern here on tnt you know that i bring a lot of things back to seinfeld well we're going to do that right now but first frank costanza has to tell you what Festivus is. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. A Festivus for the rest of us! There you have it. Now we go to Florida. This display is at Orlando International Airport. Please join us for a Festivus for the rest of us, complete with a grievance box and a pole, which comes with a warning not to use it as a dance pole. And look at this, 13 years ago inside the Florida Capitol building, a Festivus pole made of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer cans. Like I said, everything comes down to Seinfeld. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg, right here. on TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. But remember, there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats to, uh... <laughs> okay. And around the world for any animal, any disaster. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast. And we're back with Diane Gentile. She is incredible at writing songs <laughs> and singing them. Uh, you know, we can walk with me. We can have a laugh or cry. She was also speaking about her crazy accident. A boulder flew through uh, the windshield, I suppose. I heard, you know, and... half of her face got smashed and Diane talk about that how did that um you know how what did that do to you to have a, an extreme accident happen to you on the road I think it was in Italy we of course all heard about it in New York and, and we're praying for you you've made a full recovery 
industry. And you spoke a little bit about that journey, but it, it's an interesting story if you tell a little bit of it before we go to this next song, maybe. Yeah, it was it was in 2018 and um, I was on tour and I was like, it was like the third day and some rock just flew off the highway right through the the windshield of the car and it just broke my face like all of it like so um long story short i was in a hospital for like 30 days in italy and um, i had these two amazing surgeons one was uh, a blonde from milan and she had blue eyes and the other one was brunette and she was from like naples down you know oh for, or from yeah from naples and she was brunette with brown eyes and i'll never forget going into the surgery I looked up at the both of them and I said, when I come out of here, I want to look like a combination of the two of you. <laughs> like, I just, cause I was pretty messed up. Um, but anyway, you know, that thing that, that, uh, it just makes you, when you have something like that happen, I mean, all I knew was that I was going to get better. I just said to myself, I'm going to get better. Life is going to be great. I'm going to get better. And I'm going to make things happen. And, and you just, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not a really big deal in my mind anymore, except for the fact that sometimes when I look at myself in the mirror, you know, I go, oh, shoot, you know, that that could have been a little better. But um, but for the most part, you know, yeah, the accident really hasn't done much to me except for making made me a, a, a more grateful person, just grateful. I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be able to do my music. I'm grateful to have friends. I'm grateful to have a, you know, a family. Um, I'm just a very grateful person. Uh, and of course, I still have to work for a living because music doesn't pay the money that you need to pay for your rent and all that. Um, so I have to work and I'm really grateful that at my age, I'm, you know, I have a job and I can go out and I can still work. You know, and I don't live on the I don't live on the dole or anything like that, you know, and I'm proud of that. So you would say the takeaway was gratitude, basically. I mean, the yeah. overall takeaway. Yeah. Huge gratitude. Huge yeah. gratitude. Yeah. I, I don't think that. Um, I mean, I did have gratitude. I was I've always been a grateful person for the things that I've had. I mean, I've been very lucky in my life. I've been very lucky. I came from a, you know, a, a, a family of eight kids. My father was a police officer. We, we lived in Flushing, Queens. Um, and I was able to do so many wonderful things in my life that so many people don't get to do. You know, I've traveled to, to England and I've been to France and, uh, you know, I've been all over the United States and, and, and not only toured as a musician, but also worked all over the United States as a, as a business person. And I don't know, I, I think people don't really get to do that many, these many, this many. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard when you come from a family does it that, that really doesn't, you know have a lot of money and they can't support you you really have to go out there and make it happen so i've always been from that school of like go out and make something happen and there are a lot of people that do do that <laughs> so <laughs> a lot <laughs> anyway. i would say that is the benefit of aging um is gratitude towards things that when we're younger i think we take for granted i mean like i said go you know just being in new york and 
reconnecting with my family. We've had some tumultuous uh, seasons in the past and just having everybody together full of love and grace. It's just like, you know, the things I would have thought I would have been grateful for when I was in my mid twenties or even my mid thirties are different than what I'm actually grateful for at the ripe old age of 52. It's like just even being able to be with family at the holidays, you know, it's like, wow, because that wasn't always the case. And uh, I think the things that make us feel grateful uh, become simpler uh, as the, the older we get. Yeah, I mean, who would have, you know, when I was 30 years old, it would be like, oh, I hate going to work. I hate going to work. You know, I, I hated right. going to work. But now, uh, you know, I enjoy going to work. I'm like, well, I have the opportunity to go make money. That's a great. Thing. Right. You know, it just really depends on how you look at life. Everything depends on your perspective. If you have the right perspective in life, you can you'll make it work, you know? Yeah. I mean, we hope so. Anyway. All right. Well, let's get to another song. This one is called Joe. I remember hearing it at the Bowery Electric, the world famous Bowery Electric that basically kind of took over for CBGBs when that uh, sort of disappeared into a clothing store. Jean Varvetos, uh, cool boots, cool clothes, but not CBGBs. Bowery Electric became the de facto uh, CBGBs and you sort of run that club or you ran it. I don't know what well, your Well, I did, I is. did, I did. And then I left uh, after the accident. Yeah, I couldn't go back okay. to work for a while. And then now I, you know, I do, um, I do work there uh, during the day. I don't, I don't, I'm not there every night. I'm not, you know, living there like I used to live there. Um, I use the place, you know, for rehearsal every once in a blue moon. That's that's the perks of having worked there for so long. Um, and I do help the bookers out occasionally. Like, I love doing the Cramps show every year. We missed mm. you. You've done the Cramps show, haven't yep. you? I've done a you ton of stuff. You did the Cramps. Yeah. So every yeah. year at Halloween, we do this amazing Cramps tribute show and all these fabulous people come and sing. And I love putting that together. That's just a blast. And I get to, sometimes I get to sing. This year I didn't sing, but the year before I did. And uh, yeah, that's great. And then we did the summer of, I think we did the summer of Sam uh, the summer of 77, that's what we did. The summer mm. of 77, we did that in July. We had a whole bunch of people come and do all these crazy songs from bands from like 1977, like in that summer at CBGB's. And it was nice. a lot of fun. Yeah, Good I do those kind music. of special things. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, Diane, while. without further ado, tell us what this song Joe is about. I know it's not about me, but it's a great one. Nonetheless, what's it about? It's not about you, um, but it's, uh, it's about... Uh, a relationship where two people just really obviously live in two different worlds and can't seem to get on the same page. Um, and uh, I was, uh, you know, I had a great relationship that was like that for like 14 years. And um, even though uh, my ex-husband was a character, I mean, a real character, uh, but we were always like at opposite ends of the spectrum. Like he would be going and I would be coming and he would be going and I would be like, there was never any synchronicity. So anyway, that's what this song is about. And I'm going to play it. Okay. Yeah. 
of heart It's a difficult decision with a question mark On a new year next to strangers when the midnight dropped Joe, you wake when I sleep up for your love that's a song called joe <laughs> by diane gentile beautiful beautiful song i love the descending um chord progression at that one section it's it's a great song i mean um is joe a real character or is that just uh fictionalized no joe's a real character 
Mm. It's a real, mm. yeah, he's a real it? character. But, but you know what? Uh, the the story actually is not real. Like, I actually had a an idea when I wrote the song that I was standing in the middle of Times Square, and like it was on New Year's, and you know there were millions and millions and millions of people there, and it was freezing cold and it was snowing and. And like he got there and said, oh, wow, look at all these great people. And he was so excited to be a part of the whole New Year's thing and just kind of drifted off looking for his next adventure, I guess. Conquest. And yeah, yeah, that's what the, that's really where the song kind of came from, like that kind of a vision kind of a thing. But the mm. the character could be anyone from like... Um, you know, an Eric Emerson type of a person from the the uh, Andy Warhol scene, like yeah, it reminded me of Andy Warhol. It's so weird. You're you have such a New York sensibility, and it's so funny because Andy Warhol flashed in my mind while you were oh, it's the Bergdorf li uh, line about <laughs> shopping at Bergdorf, and then <laughs> right. Uh, right. and then Goodwill. That was so Warhol to me. Listen, Diane, we could talk for hours, but I got to wrap this up. Tell everyone okay. where to find you. Um, you can find me at www.dianegentile.com. You can find me at diane.gentile on Instagram. And I will be on tour with Tommy Stinson starting January 3rd. And we're going through Florida. We're going to be in Melbourne. We'll be in Orlando. We'll be in Jacksonville. We'll be in South Carolina and Georgia. And we'll end up at the 38th Songwriter Festival. And wow. So, yeah. Big stuff, Diane. I'm so happy for you. You're a great Joe, I love you. Thank you love for you, having you me. Too. Yeah. Anytime. we got to get you back. Got to go. Keep listening, everybody, to TNT. We'll be right back.